This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 27th of May 2021. You know, Tegan, I've got a new metric now for the COVID pandemic. Oh yes, let's hear it. What time of day does the battery on my phone run out? <laughs> Well, given that you're basically nocturnal, Dr. Swan, I feel like it could happen at six o'clock in the morning. Well, no, it was a little bit later than that. So yesterday it was 11am, flat. (laughs) Anyway, let's get on with the story. That's all your secret sources blowing up your phone. Well, let's talk about what we do know so far about the the continuing outbreak in Melbourne. We've sort of got about 15 cases in the cluster now, or at least those are the numbers that we were hearing yesterday, of about four generations of the virus from the original source that we know came from um, so the person in hotel quarantine through to the more recent cases that came to light yesterday. There's still lots and lots of people whose tests are still yet to be processed. But so far, there seems to be a single chain of transmission, which is reassuring even if the numbers are pretty big, right? Yeah. So if you just look at the pattern here, you've got the man, it's called the Wallert man. It's like some sort of prehistoric story here, but the (laughs) Wallert man, who's a man who comes from South Australia, he caught it in hotel quarantine in South Australia. He, He went in negative and came out positive in an adjacent room to somebody who was positive. So that's pretty outrageous and shows you how vulnerable we are. And just look If everybody's feeling relaxed and comfortable about hotel quarantine, just look at that. This is what a fault in hotel quarantine does. It stops a state. And this is so significant. And we still try and pretend hotel quarantine is simply fantastic. This is what happens. So then you've got a man who I think was 60 who is actually called Case 5, just because of the order of cases he was discovered. But he, in fact, is the earliest case in this chain. But there's a gap. There's a gap between the wallet man and the man who uh, is case number five as the first case in this chain. We don't know what happened in that gap. It's possible if that man had a long incubation period, he is the direct contact, but there's no indication that he actually came in contact with the man from South Australia who transferred back to Victoria from South Australia. So we still don't know. So there's another case or two in there. There may be another case or two in there. We don't know what's happening. And they may well not be infectious now. And so we may never find that out. So the focus then is on the downstream chain from this uh, from this case five. So the good news is, despite the, the cases building up, they're all explicable. They're all linked to each other. So it's a linked chain, and it means the contact tracers can really get onto it. But of course, the bigger the chain gets, the more tier one, tier two sites that you come across in terms of possible contacts and spread. But nonetheless, you've got some handle on it at this stage. So it's, it's actually you know, reasonably controlled at the moment. But that could change in terms of what they discover as people come forward for testing. Right, because, I mean, anyone who's lived through Melbourne's lockdown last year and the wider Victoria lockdown would be dreading the idea of going into lockdown again. It was very, very tough for them. And at the moment, because they can see where these cases come from, there's sort of no reason to go into lockdown. But what would happen if they found a mystery case that they couldn't link to this chain? Well, I don't know what they would do. They might not do anything, but if they find more than one, you know, there are cases popping up in different parts of the city, they probably would want to have a circuit breaker. And the circuit breaker is simply, you've got to, you don't know there's virus out there, you want to just stop whatever virus is out there spreading, at least temporarily, until the contact tracers can just really get onto those really difficult ones to find out what on earth could be going on with these mystery cases and are there any more, and you want even more Victorians coming out for testing. 
that's the sort of thing, I think they, they more talk about it as a circuit breaker than necessarily you know, a prolonged lockdown. Right. So you mentioned before hotel quarantine as a chink in our armour in this case, but it wasn't the only... It's an open door in our armour. Well, exactly, quite literally. Not just a chink. But it's not the only thing that we could have done differently, and it's all very well and good for you and me, Norman, to sit here and kind of go, oh, this is what Australia should have done. But honestly, we had vaccines in the country for months. Hearteningly, yesterday in Victoria, twice as many people got vaccinated as they had at the at the day before. But we're still so far behind the goals that were set months ago. And um, we had one of our leading epidemiologists in Australia, Catherine Bennett, saying yesterday that if people had been vaccinated in this chain of events, it might not have happened at all. Yeah, or happened at a lower level. That's absolutely right, because it does provide some resistance to the virus, even even a single dose, even the first dose. And the really shocking uh, story which came out yesterday, which was reported yesterday, was that 29 residential aged care facilities in Victoria, people have not had a single dose. Oh not had a single dose and you've got a virus that could be running in the community. I mean, the very group that you wanted covered. So they had time to do it with Astra. Now they're, you know, they've gone ahead with Pfizer, but there's no question now that you'd have to go in with Pfizer because you want to get two doses in as quickly as possible. Right. So we're, we're in catch up mode. We should never have been here. But now that we are, what is the strategy? So this is for every Australian listening. We've still got to do the QR codes. Everybody in Australia, you've got to do the QR code when you go in and out of a venue. In Victoria, the Mickey cards, that you, you know, the, the travel cards. Mickey. That you've got, <laughs> Mikey, Mikey. Mickey, Mikey cards. You've got to register with your Mikey card so that, in fact, if there's been a problem in a tram or a train, the, the contact tracers can do that. Apparently, there's been very low uptake of QR codes in Victoria, and that's made the, the job of the contact tracers even harder. And then the question is, do we change our vaccination strategy? Because we've talked about this before on Coronacast, is that what was shown with the Indian variant is that the first dose you get reduced effectiveness compared to uh, the 117, the British variant, but you get almost the original vaccine protection with the second dose. So the question is, how do you get second doses into people as quickly as possible? And do you do what the British are doing, which is with Astra going down to eight weeks apart, which does give you a a little bit less effectiveness, but you do get the second dose in faster? Or do you mix doses? Do you actually say, well, you have Astra first and we'll have Pfizer second? And there's growing evidence that that could be quite an effective and safe process. Are we agile enough and prepared to go with um, a revised vaccine strategy? Well, yes to all of this, but surely the starting point has to be like a really clear message that if you are eligible for a vaccine, get it today. Absolutely. And in some states, it's surprising that you can actually get access to the Pfizer vaccine. If you're younger, you might think you can't, but register and you may well, you may well surprise yourself and find out that you can. Yeah, it's hard for us to give uh, nationwide advice on this podcast because each state does it differently. But I know where I am in Queensland, there is a formal register that you can put your name down for and you can get a call if, you're, if a spot comes up for you. And I know that there are similar things in other states. You'll have to check with your local state health service. Yeah, I suspect New South Wales is the easiest. I'm hearing of a lot of people who are in their 30s and 40s who are actually, they put they register thinking it's going to be the end of the year and they're getting an appointment next week or the week after. And hopefully that's the way it's going to emerge in other states. I think in Victoria, with the pressure on Pfizer vaccine for aged care and other things, that might be a little bit delayed. But, you know, line up, you know, over 50s, line up for your Astra. 
Right. So Norman, let's take some questions from our audience. And of course, you, dear listeners, can uh, ask us a question or leave a comment anytime at abc.net.au slash coronacast. And this one comes from Karen. She says, thank you, Tegan and Norman, for all your efforts. Thank you for listening, Karen. Uh, Karen's question is, if I have AstraZeneca for doses one and two with both shots completed by August, could I have a Pfizer shot, say, in December as well? Would this provide better protection or could it be harmful? So so the answer to this question is, the official vaccine policy has no booster shots in it. And, and obviously they, they're, what they're wanting to do is preserve all the Pfizer doses for people to get their first round of immunisation. What could emerge, but that would require a change in vaccine policy by ATAGI and the government's advisory committees, is that you, um, if, if there are variants m- moving around or there's signs that immunity tends to fall off, interestingly, that may be more likely with the mRNA vaccines than the Astra vaccine. The Astra vaccine seems to go on a slow build over time and increase in its immunity and go into the T cells, the memory cells, but better. But if there is that indication and there's proof of that, they might go for a booster dose, but you're just going to have to wait and see. Um, the existing doses... Um, are going to have to be used to get people covered in the first place. Well, on official government policy and vaccines, Norman, a question from Judy, which relates to something that you were saying before. Judy and her partner are in their mid-70s. They had their first Astra shot one month ago. Uh, Based on something that we said in a recent coronacast, they want to have their second dose in eight weeks rather than 12. Is this what they should be doing? And what's the clotting risk with the second shot? So going back, the clotting risk of the second shot does exist, but it's a tiny fraction of what the risk is with the first shot. Um, So that's the first answer to that question. We could not recommend eight weeks on CoronaCast because the the official policy has not changed, although the British government is thinking about moving to eight weeks if it hasn't already. And that's because they want to get the second dose into people as quickly as possible without reducing the effectiveness too much. Um, because they've got the Indian variant growing in in the UK. At the moment, you know, if you really want maximum effectiveness, you probably would have to wait 12 weeks. Eight weeks is going to have to wait on an official uh, announcement. And while Coronacast is not shy about being critical, there's just not the evidence to be critical one way or the other at the moment. We just need to do that. In Victoria, there may well be a case for going to eight weeks. But that would be out of out of necessity because you've got a virus circulating. And ultimately, it's the job of the healthcare service there to make that call. That's right. And whilst we can be very confident about hotel quarantine and the need for change, this sort of policy decision requires a lot of nuance and more scientific evidence. And one more question from Chris. Chris received their first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine 10 days ago. Can you tell Chris if they're less likely to catch COVID-19 yet? Yes, it's around about 10 days that that kicks in. 10 to 12 days. So that that's good news. That's exactly the time when it starts to kick in. Oh, well, get yours today. And in 10 days time, you could be as well covered as Chris is right now. But that is all we've got time for on CoronaCast today. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. 